What's up, everybody? We are coming to you live. live. At least we're live right now as we're talking. Yes. If you're listening to this live, I'm kind of creeped out right now because that means you're you're somewhere lurking either outside of where we are or you're in this room, and that creeps me out. So either you work for the government <laughs> or you're a serial killer. Either way, hello. Hi. I guess. Don't what, hurt us. <laughs> what'd you think of our last podcast, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Some feedback would be nice, you know. Uh, yeah. If you're listening. You, if you're if you're the non violent type, we'd love we'd love <laughs> to have you come over and talk to us. But uh but welcome to all of you. Those listening right now live, those listening as we post this on our on our podcast channel. Glad you could join us. Tonight we are or today. We are talking about some of our some of our favorite movies of the of the early 2000s. You know, we're we're now getting closer to 2020 even. And so we decided we'd go back and talk about some hidden gems of the first decade of the 2000s. So the, these will be movies that will fit between the year 2000 and the year 2010, which all of mine do and I believe Dakota's do also. Which yeah. is good since that was our criteria, and just kind of talk about ones that that we think are a little, the you know these maybe aren't the best of the decade. Some of them are pretty good that we have on our list, but just ones that we think are have we're far enough down the road where they've kind of gotten forgotten about, and they're they're worth a revisit for one reason or another. And so we're going to talk about that, and we you know these are just we're doing kind of just short list. We're just going to give three, and so this is something we'll. We could eventually uh, uh, visit again in the future and come up with three more. Yeah, depending on how many of you like this and retweet it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, or should I say, share it? I don't know. There, you know, there's some obvious ones from the early 2000s that everybody remembers and will probably be remembered for quite a while. You know, that's where ones like The Lord of the Rings fit in. Batman Begins. Yeah, Batman Begins. Even The Dark Knight. Would be in there in the beginning of the MCU. Iron Man, yeah. Um, even before the MCU and Batman, you have X Men and X Men Two. You have the Spider Man franchise. So you have all these like there's all these big blockbusters that are in there, you know. And this is when the comic book movie craze started first really taking off was in this time. But each of us have movies that that aren't in that aren't in that realm, aren't in that comic book realm, aren't not. All of them are even blockbusters, but just really uh, solid movies in there that that uh, deserve a first look or a second second look. If maybe you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. So up first, up first for me, I'm gonna go ahead and start with uh, with uh, a western, kind of uh, a western movie that came out in 2003, I believe. I have and one question for you. Yes. Like the white boys say on the internet these days, what are those? What's what, a western? What's a western? <laughs> Hope you guys all know what a western is. A cowboy movie. <laughs> one that actually takes place, though, in cowboy times. So it, this it, movie takes place in the 1800s, late 1800s, and is about a couple of uh, a couple of cattle guys and, and their hired hands. And it's it's the movie Open Range, and it was a movie starring Kevin Costner and Robert Duvall. 
and it was directed by Kevin Costner also. Um, he got back in the director's seat for this one. And uh, it's just a really solid movie. It it starts out as just like, I don't know what you call it, maybe like a traditional drama, West, you know, taking place in cowboy times. But then it just turns into um, a really good kind of cowboy gunfight part near the end. Um, but what I like about this one is that it's not just over the top with with its violence. It's not just shootouts the whole movie, and it's not you know crazy drunk crazy drunk cowboys or whatever. But it's just like it's just a really in some ways just straightforward story. And and what it is is it's about uh, Robert Duvall is playing kind of this old old ranch guy and then he brings Kevin Costner on and you're kind of getting his this this uh sense and then you do find out that Kevin Costner's character used to be uh kind of an unsavory type kind of a quick on the draw type guy and and now he's just kind of trying to live a little quieter you know working for this guy and then they have a couple other uh younger guys who work for them, but what happens is they're they're kind of guys who they're just moving their cattle across. That's why it's called open range. They're moving their cattle across the country and start running into problems with guys who are saying, "Hey, this is my land. Get your cattle off of it." And this is kind of during that time when fences start going up a little more and guys are a little more tight about their land. But th- these guys were still in the right as far as the whole open range things, but it causes this whole tiff thing and causes him to get involved in this whole drama that's going on in this one particular town. And you just, cause you have kind of a lot of elements going on. But what I find cool about this movie is that it just flows. And even though it is a little over two hours long, you don't feel it. Cause it just, it's kind of just a nice flowing movie that, like I said, ends with a really cool kind of, classic western feel but the other thing i like about this movie is it feels really real like the town has crappy roads that get washed out by rain you know and it just kind of has that real feel and i just feel like this is where kevin costner shines is just being that cowboy and robert duvall too for that matter um and then just a good cast around him so i just really like that movie and so open range it's my first recommendation of good movie to revisit so dakota what's your what's your first movie you'd like to bring up ah just this little gem from 2000 called snatch oh okay coming right into the millennium yeah all right snatch this this movie i think probably out of all the movies um out of the three i'm gonna list was probably the biggest uh marketed and that was because it had essentially Everybody who was hot in Hollywood at the time was in this. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, Brad Brad Pitt, Pitt, uh, Jason Statham, who was just kind of start, I think, when this movie, with this movie is when he finally kind of just his career took off. And it was marketed as kind of a crazy action comedy. Vinnie Jones was in this. Anyone who's... uh, uh, seeing Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. 
Uh, that was the movie that made him pretty popular, but it was, this movie is very, very, how should I say, awkward? <laughs> okay. Well, it it covers the story of a uh, a guy who promotes boxing fights. That's who Jason Statham plays. And what they call um, gypsies, apparently, in England, is, and who Brad Pitt plays. And apparently he was so atrocious at doing a British accent that they came up with this language for him called pikeys. And if you hear him speak, you can't understand, like, a lick of sense that's coming out of his mouth. It's <laughs> It's insane. I can't... I would not even dare... Try, try to imitate the accent he does in this movie. Um, and apparently the reason he agreed to do this was just because he really wanted to work with the director of this movie, who was Guy Ritchie. He loved Guy Ritchie's work, and he's like, I got to work with this guy. And they found a way to fit him in. Uh, but yeah, kind of back to this whole movie being un- uneven. Uh, Dennis Farina is in this kind of playing a, a mob guy from the States. Benicio del Toro is kind of playing one of his henchmen, uh, who gets involved with this Russian guy kind of gets set up, goes missing. And there's no way I could condense down the story of this movie. (laughs) Just that it's a lot of very British people. (laughs) <laughs> taking part in things that are illegal and it's i hate to use um common uh terminology or phrases when come to describing a movie unless it's a swashbuckling good time <laughs> we all know i love that one <laughs> but uh this movie was just a roller coaster ride of stuff it was violent it was funny it was kind of serious and oddly enough for a movie that's uh quote-unquote violent uh the most violent part of this movie is a boxing scene that involves brad pitt and that's mostly why i remember this i mean it's more intense than anything you're ever gonna see in fight club or uh anything outside of bruce lee movie but I would definitely pick this up just because it's this film's very charming. I know I said it was awkward, but <laughs> very charming. Awkward and charming. And Jason Statham, uh not a not not very tough in this movie, he's kind of a bit of a pansy. But I just love listening to his commentary on things. Yeah. Definitely worth checking this out. Um I don't even it was on Netflix. For the longest time, I don't know if it still is, but if you can go and watch it. All right, so there's uh, there's Dakota's first recommendation was Snatch. For my second one, I think I'm gonna do one that's that's more of a guilty pleasure for me. I think once I say, it, you're gonna realize, yeah, it's not not like a, a work of art or anything, but I think it's one that's really fun in its in. I think now that we're on this side of the Makana 
it just makes it even more of a movie worth revisiting <laughs> when you see how crazy McConaughey is in this movie. Also, you get to see a pre-Batman Begins Christian Bale just being really British. He had, I mean, you hear his full, thick British accent in this movie. And I remember, like, when he first starts doing his narrating, when when you get to his adult, like, I, I remember having to turn on subtitles the first few times I saw it because I'm like, what is he even saying? It's like mumbly British. But it's the movie Reign of Fire. And and what this is is it's it's a movie where it's kind of a I don't think I don't know if they really it seems like they give a date at one point but it's kind of we'll just say like the little into the future but not too far into the future where what happens is kind of more in our time so the some construction is being done in in England ends up waking up dragons is basically what happens and as time goes on more and more dragons are appearing and are slowly burning away the earth and the people in the process because they apparently eat ash and so they're just kind of burning up things and and feeding off of it and so you're following Christian Bale's character you see him as a child when the movie first starts and then you see him as an adult then kind of helping run this place where they try to just keep people uh, safe and try to grow food and they have a lot of just orphans there there's a lot of kids and teenagers there that they're caring for and you also see an early I uh, not early I mean he had been in a lot of but like a pre-famous Gerard Butler's in this movie and it's funny to see him in this too, but it's one of those movies where it's it's actually better than you think it's gonna be. You're like, oh god, some stupid dragon movie, and it kind of is. But at the same time, it's kind of good. <laughs> kind uh, of the special effects are pretty good in this movie. The dragons look great. And then there's just some like crazy action things, like ways they try to go after the dragons. Because what happens is how McConaughey comes this. He's not, I mean, it's Matthew McConaughey. He's a Texas drawl. He's not playing a British guy in this. He's an American group that comes in, and they kind of have this plan of how they think they can stop the dragons and hook up with Christian Bale's people. But you see just this like unhinged performance of Matthew McConaughey. He's got his head shaved, he's got tattoos, and he's just this like futuristic dragon slayer. And uh I don't know. There's just like it's just kinda of, if you're into this type of th- if you like kind of futuristic sci fi stuff or dragon type stuff. Um, this is this is one you should check out. It's just, I don't. It's just fun. It's fun. It's got cool action, and uh, I like dragons. There's just not many dragon things, but and I liked how they looked in this movie, and 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 then there's just this ridiculously awesome scene with Matthew McConaughey near the end of the movie, with him in an axe and a dragon, and it's pretty glorious. And so I, my second one, even if, I, I mean, I get it. It's a guilty pleasure. But I think 
a lot of you could find this movie pretty enjoyable. Reign of Fire, directed by Rob Bowman, who also, I think, did the X-Files movie. <laughs> so that's my second recommendation. You know, one thing I do remember about that movie is, good Lord, this seems like a lifetime ago, but I think the problem with it was it only came out in like a limited run and the critics just tore it apart. I remember. Yeah, it was pretty torn apart. It was kind of an end of summer movie. Ooh. You know, like, I don't know, late July or I don't remember exactly when it came out. But it was, yeah, it was just kind of, it just kind of came out and then it was not. And, you know, like it just wasn't really hyped. And then when it was out, it wasn't like people were like just massively praising it. But then every once in a while, when I talk to someone who actually saw it, they're like, yeah, that's actually a pretty cool movie. You know, I mean, I think it's just, it just kind of just came out at the wrong time. But, and like I said, it's also interesting to see kind of Christian Bale then and Gerard Butler then in these roles and stuff. And, and of course, like I said, just Matthew McConaughey is totally, crazily, awesomely unhinged in this movie, which is pretty fun. So, but like, let's go on to your second one, Dakota. What do you got? Spit it out. Come on. All right. Speaking of Christian Bale. Oh, another Christian Bale. He's apparently going to come up a few times on. At least a couple, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is another little gem from the year 2000. Year 2000. But anyway. I am going to talk about American Psycho, which, (laughs) believe it or not, this is the movie that got him hired to play Batman. Yes, the movie where he played a deranged psychopath who may or may not be losing his his grip on the world. (laughs) His grip on the real world, I should say. It actually takes place in the 80s, too, right? Yeah, and oddly enough, a young Jared Leto is in this, and he looks the same as he does right now, and that just kind of that always blows my mind when, like, a huge period of time... Christian Bale doesn't even look the same way he does. Uh, Nobody else in this movie does. Willem Dafoe maybe comes close. <laughs> it's only still it's still scary, only because the guy's kept in crazy great shape. But uh, he, uh, Christian Bell plays this character. Uh, he's kind of a, a big deal on Wall Street. Uh, Chloe Sevigny is his uh, secretary slash assistant, and essentially he just goes around killing people, uh, socializing with other people on Wall Street. And this movie is kind of... This movie is really small. It doesn't really have a lot of actors in it. But it's just kind of interesting because of Christian Bale. He gives a pretty realistic um, performance... As a man who just does not know what the hell is going on. <laughs> uh, which is crazy because, you know, in the movie he comes off as being like this. This guy, just incredibly charming, smart, witty. 
and just in control of things. But by the end of the movie, it's kind of kind of left hanging in the air, like what's going on, and that's exactly what his facial expression kind of kind of shows. And this is a really kind of bloody movie, and it's there's a couple scenes where you kind of have to either close your eyes or look away real quick because it gets really gruesome. But other than that, yeah, it's a very, (laughs) very enjoyable thrill ride, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of a study. uh, It's basically just one man's descent into madness, right? Yes. And him seeing, uh, how would I, how'd you put it? Him seeing that all the problems are around him and that he's not the problem. Exactly. He's basically what would you? What's that word? Narcissist. Yes, he is a. That would maybe be the word. Textbook narcissist. Even though I've never read a textbook <laughs> that delved into Sounds the good, tendencies though. of a narcissist. Of a narcissist. So, but I do know narcissist comes from narcissus. I believe. You know what? I'm leaving it there, folks. <laughs> His, I'm literally watching him sweat bullets. His brain is starting to like wobble and jiggle as his head explodes. You know what? All these, all <laughs> these rid- ridiculous Greek myths all blend together at some point. It's hard to remember who slept with whose mom, okay, or who fell in love with their sister or themselves. There is a lot of crazy. You're right. There, it's or who killed a whatever and who shot Jr. <laughs> yeah who had the constellation you know what man <laughs> moving on yes cute. we'll come to my third choice my third pick and final pick for this episode uh third time's charm third, steven third time it's a little little movie that came out in 2006 um uh, starring batman and wolverine Oh, here he goes, people. I know where he's going. They were both Batman and Wolverine at this point of making this movie also. Which you know, also which is really what brought hype to this movie was that the guy who did Batman Begins brought together Batman and Wolverine into a movie. I am referring to The Prestige. Which came out in October of two thousand six. And it also stars Scarlett Johansson. Scar jo is in this too, who would eventually become a superhero also. And Michael Caine was in this movie. But he's in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies since Batman Begins. Or all of them since Batman Begins. Except for maybe Dunkirk. I'm not sure if he's going to be in that. I don't know if he is in Dunkirk. But this movie is just possibly my favorite Christopher Nolan film. I I I just I just think this movie is is just excellently done, and I I just feel like uh, the main two guys that you follow, which are um, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman's characters, which which interestingly enough, Christian Bale's character's name is Alfred, <laughs> which I think is funny. But what they are is they're both magicians who, for a time, work together but it's you could tell there's a kind of this this rivalry between them where they're constantly trying to be the 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 better magician kind of one up each other so it's kind of this back and forth one upping 
it gets to this point where it becomes an obsession with them to to make the trick that's untoppable to to figure out how to do the trick that's untoppable and so each of them is is coming is always coming up with these new tricks and each one is is obsessively trying to figure out how the other did that trick and how they made it work and they just become obsessed with this because they both kind of start like i said pretty kind of ragtag of these places where people just kind of kind of almost like a a vaudevillian version and then they're they're both just you know learning the ropes to to get more acclaim but but where where the term prestige comes is this is that you have you have the setup of your your trick and then you kind of have the actual illusion you're going to do happen but then the prestige comes when you have this moment at the end where everyone just kind of gasps with this kind of like, how did you do that? You know? And so that's, that's kind of the thing. They're always, there's this obsession with them to find the greatest prestige moment. And, uh, it's hard to talk any more about this movie because it becomes kind of really a, a an unraveling mystery where you just have to really watch it. And, and that's, what's cool is that, is that, uh, Everything in the movie really ends up meaning something and playing on to the next things that happen. And uh, I, I just think that Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, just give some of their best. For, for me, this was when I realized that how good Hugh Jackman really was. Because at this point, I'd really only known him for Kate and Leopold and Wolverine. Which he's he's good in those. But this is where you really see that his kind of more acting chops. Uh, of what he can do and uh it was just 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 really really cool to see that the other thing that's crazy about their names is that uh, christian bill's name is alfred borden and hugh jackman's name is robert angier and so the initials are a b r a abra for abracadabra oh christopher nolan kind of is obsessed with little details in all his movies and that was just something he threw in there and so, but yeah, so this this just ends up being like a really cool kind of psychological study, but then it's a mystery all wrapped into one, and it's really worth really worth checking out. Even if someone has maybe kind of spoiled certain things for you, or you think this movie's been spoiled, it really hasn't because it's still a really a really good journey movie to go through. Just their 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 story of of their rivalry, I guess to put it. Yeah. This uh this movie has one heck of a twist at the end. One you do not see coming at all. Yeah. Like when I saw this, like I actually like think I sucked all the air out of the room like <gasps> What? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of kind of what Christopher Nolan did was the movie was about two guys trying to have the greatest like ta-da moment when at it becomes very meta i guess you could say because the movie's doing the same thing where the movie has been slowly the whole movie is really a magic trick yeah and so you're watching those guys try to do it and the movie also ends up being a magic trick where you have the prestige moment of the movie 
near the end too. And so it's kind of kind of cool how it kind of plays on that. But again, you know, if, if you've seen his other movies like Inception, that's just kind of what he does. He yeah. kind of obsessively thinks about how to logistically play like like in you know Inception like dreams and and with uh, Interstellar, just uh, playing with the ideas of time travel and 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 wormholes and how to how to he's just there's just so many levels of thinking but i just i just think this one is the most interesting and also the most entertaining and so that's why it's just one of my favorites of his personally for me the real magic in this movie was when david bowie appeared yeah david bowie playing tesla nikola tesla people yeah he plays a real person in history (laughs) Um, oh, and they kind of bring him into the story and, and, uh, the, they go to him to try to, to see if his technology could be used for their illusions. And yeah, it's, so it's kind of interesting. And then also, uh, Nikolai Tesla's, um, assistant is played by Andy Circus. Yes. He's a small role in this. So you see Andy Circus playing just a normal human, not in mocap or anything. Yeah. One <laughs> of the few times that has happened people. Yeah. And so you get a little get a little cameo from Andy Circus too in this. So, but yeah, so the prestige. But Dakota, what's your what's your final recommendation? Oh, I thought long and hard on this one, folks. Okay, long and hard indeed. I was gonna go with Dawn of the Dead, but uh, I don't know this this other movie just won out over that other one. I'll come back to Dawn of the Dead though. Dawn of the Dead, though, uh, still one of my favorites, but uh, definitely one from the early 2000s that I, for some reason, as the years go by, every now and then I'll just think of it and kind of get the urge to watch it, uh, is A History of Violence. Oh, okay. Which I think it's funny we start off this talking about uh, when comic book movies started to go on the rise. This is actually... Uh, adapted from a comic book graphic novel for you know all you nerds out there yeah <laughs> but it's uh this is the one movie that uh i think hugo i'm sorry i almost called him hugo weaving for a second there oh uh vigo mortensen vigo mortensen this is the one movie that vigo mortensen should be remembered for uh, over Lord of the Rings, simply because this. What is... about Hidalgo? Let's not talk about that movie. <laughs> you don't like Hidalgo? No. <laughs> Which is kind of sad because I wanted to love it. It just I couldn't couldn't do it. Uh, anyway, this movie is about this guy who runs a diner, uh, in a small town. One day, these guys who essentially are just driving around the country killing people come into the diner and they don't walk out that then kickstarts this whole he makes the national news after this his character does uh he attracts the attention of some not so nice people from pennsylvania who have connections with the mob eventually they show up and start making his life hell and his family kind of starts to unravel and his son starts to develop, who's essentially a, kind of a dweeb at the start of this movie, kind of 
takes on the school bully and uh, beats him up pretty badly. And this whole movie, uh, it's actually a seems like a really short film, but it's not. I think it's at least two hours long. But uh, it also stars William Hurt and uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris is in this too, uh, sporting some pretty interesting makeup. I won't I won't spoil the end for anyone just because the ending is is actually pretty interesting but uh yeah if you if you like serious dramas uh you know you aren't afraid of a little blood here and there if you just want this had an interesting director too wasn't it David uh Cronenberg yeah directed oddly it? enough the guy known for Horror movies directed this. Or weird sci-fi. Yeah. Really down-to-earth movie that's... Uh, the only the only complaint I have about it, it's a little too, a little too real. You know, and some... Uh, I mentioned Snatch earlier as being a really violent film. You actually don't see anybody die in that movie explicitly. But in this one, yes. Yes, you do. So that's why I give the warning about if you're... You're weary, Sque- squeamish. <laughs> yes, if you're uh, if you're not not afraid to uh, watch a little bloodshed, I would definitely give this a shot. And the horrible thing is, I don't really know if this has been on Netflix lately or Hulu. Yeah, I can't remember the last time. I mean, I've seen this title come up on any of those type things, but I remember at the time, you know, it was. It seemed like it was pretty. F- fairly well received by critics and yeah a couple people uh i believe it received a couple academy award nominations which is just odd uh a film starring Viggo mortensen directed by david cronenberg adapted from a comic book it's just yeah you wouldn't think it would and this was kind of the beginning of their scorsese dicaprio relationship too because they did a couple they've done a couple other movies together since i'm only familiar with one other one besides this one they did uh that sigmund freud movie oh, oh uh, yeah dangerous method or whatever it's called yeah and then uh eastern promises yeah i only knew of eastern promises and i know they kind of have well i think what happened is they just gained a friendship and just figure out ways to work together yeah so but yeah this is kind of the be the beginning of their little thing too Viggo mortensen is an interesting character he was kind of a last minute bring on to the lord of the rings movies and then ended up becoming like a master swordsman very quickly yeah um and but really where he seems to be most comfortable is in kind of lower independent movies that's kind of what he mostly does because what happened after lord of the rings was he did try or maybe was pressured into trying bigger things like he did hidalgo which was which was a was a fairly decent success for for Disney, and and kind of did some other things, but it just seems like where he really ends up getting the most accolades is in kind of these kind of quieter <laughs> roles. Like even most lately, he was in Captain Fantastic, which was a really <laughs> critically acclaimed movie last year that was you know getting some awards attention and things like that. Yeah. So it just seems like it's where he ends up being. I think he's just kind of one of those guys where, I don't know, he just likes to try more maybe the offbeat 
interesting characters. Uh, I think also what kind of plays into it is he became famous when he was older in life. Yeah, he was already in his 40s. A lot of people don't realize that, but he was like in his 40s when he did Lord of the Rings, right? He he had to have been. And so, I mean, because before that, I mean, he did like, what, he was in like A Perfect Murder and G.I. Jane, and he never really was anything that was where he was like a really big star. Young Guns 2 is the only thing I can think of. I remember the funniest thing was after Lord of the Rings, I I rewatched the movie Witness, and all of a sudden I noticed that one of the background Amish people is Viggo Mortensen. Barely recognize him. He's such a young, fresh-faced Amish guy, but it was Viggo, and sure enough, that was like one of his early, early roles. But so yeah, I mean, like Dakota said, you know, he's. I mean, Witness was like in what mid '80s movie. Yeah, he's, and so uh... yeah, he's been around a while. It's just. Like like Dakota said, he's one of the guys who really gained his biggest stardom when a lot of people are more just settled in or maybe losing stardom in a way. So, but he'll, I mean, he's kind of one of those guys where because of Lord of the Rings, he's always going to be remembered to a certain degree. Yeah. Because people loved Aragorn. You know, I mean, that was one of the favorite characters of that series was his portrayal of Aragorn, and he almost didn't do it. It almost went to a guy that nobody really likes, <laughs> Stuart Townsend, which nobody, I mean, nobody really. What are you talking uh, about? I loved him in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. He just isn't one of the, he's just not really talked about and hasn't really done anything real memorable, which is interesting. Didn't he? Well, it's kind of like Wolverine. Yeah. Hugh Jackman was a last-minute replacement for, who was it, Doug Gray Scott? Yeah, it was supposed to be oh, Wolverine, and so you just have you just never know what's gonna happen. You just never know what's gonna happen. So, Duggery Scott, Duggery Scott, and Stuart Townsend, two of the most lifeless, <laughs> uncharismatic actors I have ever watched on screen. Yeah, you can tell him I said it. Well, there you heard it from Dakota. <laughs> you heard it from Dakota. As Steven somehow tries to distance himself from me, I'm not distancing. I'm just, I, <laughs> but I'm also not disagreeing. So, oh man, but yeah. So those are our those are our, so my three were the Prestige, Reign of Fire, and Open Range. So two of mine starred Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, how does that is, work, man? Which is funny. And then a Kevin Costner movie, of all things. So, you know, one thing I, my... I didn't get to bring it up when you were talking yeah. about it was was that the movie that it was kind of people were saying it represented like the last of the westerns, simply because westerns are getting too expensive to film, simply because locations are getting harder to find. Ah, uh, well, I know that. What he did with this movie was he had to go to Canada yeah. to find a place that would work for it. And uh, then you got to have actors who are capable of riding a horse, which... I mean, it probably is tricky. I mean, I don't know. They just did that Magnificent Seven movie this past year, but I don't know how true to life that was. Because <laughs> the thing with Open Range is it was filmed very, you know, authentic and so I, I didn't see that new Magnus Seven. I didn't care, so I don't know how authentic that. Oh, one you was. didn't. You didn't see it. No, 
But you're right. I mean, I think there is something to be said for it is tricky um, because, you know, when you're like doing a period piece where it's like old timey London, they can just throw up a green screen and do some static digital image of old London in the background and throw in some steam or something. But it's probably tricky to do that when it, when you're talking about just open countryside. I mean, yeah. you could you could you could still do it to a degree, but what, what what's interesting is how you wouldn't think it would be hard to capture openness, but it probably is. Yeah, you know when you're when you're talking about vastness because everything is fenced in and there's towers everywhere, and I guess you can digitalize some of that out maybe. But yeah, the odd thing is. Um Thanks to Westworld, of all things, supposedly there's an interest now in more westerns. So it's it's odd. It's you know this. People said it was a dying genre. Uh, people also said that about sword and sandals movies. And it seems like every twenty years there's like a really good one. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to start making these again. And yeah, after Gladiator, we had a few that were kind of more in the lukewarm. Like Troy and Kingdom of Heaven and things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, you're right. It's interesting, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know where those fit into that, but I'm still waiting for the uh, the revival of the musicals. I'm waiting for the revival of more dragon movies <laughs> after Reign of Fire. That just never really took off. So yeah, I want to. I want to see a. Wicked... I guess Desolation of Smaug. <laughs> I wanted to see Wicked. We could do cats. I guess cats will be okay. Do you? Because I don't know if you remember <laughs> your long list of why you hated Into the Woods. That was so. Do you the... really want more musicals on the screen? That was a very bad musical, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Oh boy. I'm sorry, Anna Kendrick, but that movie sucked. They're... musicals are tricky. Yeah, only certain ones end up working on the big screen. So. It's tricky. Tricky, tricky. We should do a musicals episode. That would be fun. Talk about some of our favorite musicals. So look for that in the future. But we're going to wrap up this episode. Dakota, what were your three movies? I did Snatch, American Psycho, and A History of Violence. So there you go. Those are some of our unsung, kind of forgotten movies of the early 2000s. So thanks for listening to this episode. We thank you for your listenership, if that's a word, for checking us out. So happy you're there. And keep keep checking us out. Uh, spread the word. And if you haven't subscribed, if you are new or just haven't subscribed yet, please do that. That's awesome. We love that. It means a lot to us. And um, we also just do a lot of updates and news things on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So we're in those places, too. So... We'll wrap this up. So this is Steven. And this is Dakota. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.